in 400 years. So the first thing in learning how to be free is know how to stop. Not just stop with your body, but with your mind. Some of us are still going in our sleep. So learning how to be still. And then what was the second lesson they learned? And God kind of taught them through the manna. Do you remember what the lesson was there? Obedience how? Be specific. Yeah, so it was, it was Sabbath practice, basically. Even though it was food provision, it was Sabbath practice. Because one of the reasons we don't Sabbath is because of what? Fear and, and insecurity about provision. So God taught them. And then, of course, the other thing was pace. That God, they'd, they'd been driven by a whip for 400 years. And God said, you're going to go as fast as the slowest person. You're going to go as fast as that person with a walker. You're going to go as fast as that little toddler. You're going to go as fast. That's going to be your pace. And how many know that must have been frustrating for the jocks? Huh? To slow down. But you see, we can't. Our, our, our mission as a church, our vision is to love God with all our heart and love one another. And we can't do that if we're hurried. So God said, I'm going to teach you a new way of living. You're going to slow down, and you're going to learn an unhurried life. So those two things, stopping and pace, are, are that's been basically all. Peter and Jess, you missed our sermons this last year. That's basically all, all we talked about. Just stop and slow down. Slow down and stop. In fact, it's better to slow down first and then stop. I've a, I'm a driver. I find if you don't slow down before you stop, bad things happen. Did you know one of the first, I was in Alberta, you can drive in your 14, right? So I got my driver's license right at 16, like bam. And I drove to this little place in Slave Lake, Alberta, and it said drive in. So I drove in to the drive-in. So my dad had some carpentry work to do. So learn to slow down before you stop. So lovingly present to God. So I want to welcome a special guest to our camp. Ignatius of Loyola. Let's welcome Ignatius. Ignatius is going to be our guide for this, this week. And Ignatius is a fellow who, li- who was born in the same year that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Or discovered, oh, I, oh, discovered America with 100 million First Nations people living here. He discovered it. As Mark Charles says, it's very hard to discover something that's already occupied. If you don't believe me, leave out your car keys and your cell phone, and I'll come and discover them for you. So, uh, 1492 was when Ignatius was born, and his, he was one of 13 children in the Basque area of Spain. Now, I'm reviewing this a little bit, but it's important as we go into our exercise. We're going to go into an exercise together here. He was born Indigo Lopez de Loyola, Ignatius of Loyola, because the the place he was born in is called Loyola. He was one of 13 children, but shortly after he was born, his mother died. And he became a womanizer, a playboy, a popular socialite, a great fighter. He loved sword fighting. 
So, if, I mean, he, he'd, have been, he'd have been the video game champion of all these violent games in our time. But he had the real deal. And they actually would fight to the death. And he took pride in actually fighting till he could kill somebody. And he framed his life around military stories, around the story of Camelot and El Cid. And he had this lust as a young man, lust for... And often I find with young guys whose mom dies early in their life, or they don't have a mother, there is that incredible passion and, and inordinate lust. Often an addiction to porn comes out of that. He would have been a porn addict in our time. He was addicted to the porn of his time. And he was a fighter, and he went to war for Spain, and they were fighting France, and a cannonball struck his leg and smashed one of his legs just to smithereens. So he went into this emergency surgery to uh, repair his leg, and uh, he went through many operations without anesthetic, if you can imagine, back in those times. No anesthetic. And in recovery, he was in this Catholic medical center, and they didn't have all the books he liked. You know, the ones about violence and sex. He was a little upset about it. So he resorted to his imagination. He had this incredible imagination, and he would imagine sword fighting. And, and there was this woman he, he, he was in love with, and he imagined courting her and winning her. But it was a religious hospital, as I mentioned, so there was no, no novels about that kind of stuff. All there were, were the, was the Bible and religious books. So reluctantly, he began to read some of this stuff. And, and that ima fertile imagination that he had began to, uh, began to translate into some of the biblical stories. And he began to dream and imagine being one of the heroes of faith and a disciple and a follower of Jesus. And then he would go back to the other kinds of imaginations, kind of back and forth during his recovery and then he began to notice something. He noticed this sense of when he was in his old way of imagining and the old life, he would, he would notice the sense of desolation, he called it. A sense of being drawn away from, from being satisfied in life on this one set of fantasies. But when he would imagine being a disciple of Jesus and being a, a hero of faith, he felt this growing sense of joy and peace. So this was his first experience of discernment where he began to discern in himself good spirits and bad spirits within his own motives and desires. And so out of that, he became a follower of Jesus and he formed the Society of Jesus known today as the Jesuits. And one of the greatest contributions they give to the church is this gift of discernment that I want us to embark on on this weekend together. Um, and it's called the examine, but we're going to do the examine. Some of you have been through the examine before. You know, you know it and you're familiar. But what I'd like to do is provide the examine, make it a framework for, for our, our weekend. We'll draw from his wisdom and guidance. So the examine, which came out of this experience of discernment for Ignatius, in general, the examine is a daily method of reviewing your day, like doing it every 24 hours. A lot of people do it at night. I tend to do it in the morning. But it's just basically going back through your day with Jesus and looking at your day again. 
It's actually an attitude more than a method. A time set aside for thankful reflection over the last 24 hours on where God is in your everyday life. It has five steps, which most people take more or less in order, and it usually takes about 15 to 20 minutes per day. Now, what I'd like to do is do a... It's not going. How come? Let's try that. Yay! So let's try a summer examine. You know, I was reading my summer journal the other day, and I was amazed how much I forgot had happened to me. We are really forgetful creatures, aren't we? Doesn't God mention that a few times in Scripture? We, we're, he says they, they didn't remember. And I'd like to invite us into memory over our summer. And I, and I realized that so much had happened in my summer of consolation. Consolation is, a lot of modern day Christians confuse the term consolation and desolation when they say it. Let's share your consolation and desolation. Usually what they do is they share where things are going well, and a desolation is where things are going badly. But that's not what that means. Consolation is where you feel drawn to God, where you felt close to God, drawn to God, and desolation is where you felt taken away from God, drawn away from God. It could be a really bad trial you're going through. It may seem like a desolation, but if you're actually getting closer to God through that, it's a consolation. So I want us to look at our summer and prepare to share our stories, and I want us to do it this way. I want you to form groups of three or four around your tables. Now, our tables, I thought we were going to have circle tables, and they're square. So what I'd like you to do is take three or four people per table and get on, you know, get face-to-face -face with each other on these tables and have one person come and get a candle and a lighter. There's a candle there, and there's lighters and matches and all kinds of fire things there. So do that real quick. Those two things, quickly. Yeah, watch for the cords. Sorry, guys. Lots of cords sitting around. Is there anybody? Is there anybody here close to the front who has the social capacity to handle one more person? <laughs> yeah? Okay, I'll join you guys here. The reason I'm... I have to be careful because I get into these things and then I end up leading but not participating. And I need to, to be a part of one. So I'll join this group here. Thanks, guys. Um, so, next step, we're going to practice the examine. 
So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to ask God for light. We want to look at our summer through God's eyes. The psalmist said, Lord, in your light, we will see light. And that is just so critical in the examine, is that we actually look at. So, Lord, we do ask you for light. I ask for your light to come to each person here. And I'm going to just invite one of you in the group to light your candle as we do that. Just look at the candle. Just observe it. Watch it. Watch it burn. So while you're watching that candle, I want you to just quietly go back over your summer and just give thanks. The summer I have just lived is a gift from God. Be grateful for that. Encounters, vacation, pain, but just hold it with gratitude as um, just as Wade talked about uh, a few weeks ago, that whole practice of Eucharisto. doesn't mean we deny the pain, but, but we're just grateful to God for our life. It's a precious life we have. There will never be another you. Never. Which means you're infinitely precious to God. So I'm going to invite you into about five minutes of silence now. And on the, on the slide, you see kind of the instructions just to review in silence. Start with taking a few minutes just to be present to yourself in God's presence. Then do a grateful looking back over your summer, like putting a DVD of the summer with Jesus sitting next to you. Or Netflix, if you're into Netflix. It's a Netflix of your summer with Jesus watching with you. Where did I feel drawn closer to God? Where did I feel drawn away from God? And note in the silence, we're going to go for five minutes, which I know seems like an eternity for some of you and short for others. So we'll find, try to find a balance where we all stay sane. But silence is so important. It's an act of vulnerability with each other. Uh,
All right. Thank you. Sorry, I thought I set my timer, but I didn't. <laughs> so I think we went longer just to work some of you over. Um, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In noting those one or two significant points, it could be a consolation or desolation. I'm going to ask you to do this and to share your stories, but I want you to be mindful of how the structure we're doing this because it, this will help us be present to each other as we share our stories. As a person shares what they're going to share, don't uh, interrupt or um, just listen. Practice just, just listening for the whole time that they share. We'll try to keep it like three or four, four minutes each. And as, as you share your grateful in review of your summer, so practice listening in attentive silence without trying to fix, suggest, or even pray at this point. Now, what I mean by that is sometimes when people share, we say, well, let's pray about that, and, and it, it actually dismisses what they've shared rather than being meaningfully present with them, which is actually a, a deeper form of prayer. It's not like it isn't prayer, but we're going to a deeper level of prayer, of just being with people. Um, after each person is shared, I'm going to ask that each of you in the group, even if you hear other people sharing from the other groups, because there will be background noise with this, but just stop and be silent and hold what that person has shared in your heart. So just what it, what it is, is it's a way of reverencing that person's story. And... And there may, you know, there may be times, I'm not saying through the weekend where some prayer might be appropriate, but I've, I'm just going to ask us to practice presence, just being, being present to each other and um, hold and reverence their story. So we have, I'm going to set my watch or my, my uh, phone for 20 minutes. That would give us each at least four or five minutes per, per group, uh, per person in the group. And some of you, that'll even give you a little extra time, which you might need, all right? And that'll still leave us a few minutes before the, the, we have to uh, connect with the kids again. Okay? Is that all clear? Okay. All right. Bless you as you share your stories. <laughs>